and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. Today, I had a wonderful conversation with Bianca Grant. Bianca shared with me about her story of being being very young and getting very seriously ill and then dealing with the entire system of people not being able to give her a diagnosis. Very scary, but an important story to hear. You know, this does happen. It does happen. I think it happens more often than we we're aware of. And uh, eventually getting a proper diagnosis and actually being able to manage the illness and, you know, live a life that's full and, and not be completely debilitated by it. So it's a pretty incredible story. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this and be inspired by Bianca's resilience and her creativity in getting to the root of her illness. Enjoy. Hello, Bianca. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jail. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm I'm just uh, overcoming being sick for about eight days. Hopefully I'm on the, actually nine days and hopefully I'm, I've put it all behind me, but my <laughs> voice is still a little funny because of it. So uh, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to talk to you about, you know, something we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast, but I mean, I don't know your whole story. We're going to hear it now. But, you know, I worked in functional medicine for six years and I encountered a lot of our patients who had, you know, chronic conditions, illnesses that nobody knew what it was for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I think this is something that a lot of people are not even aware of that happens because it it doesn't happen a lot. But when it does happen, it's pretty, it's very, very challenging. So let's start off by just, um, if you could just tell us about, you know, you said you were started feeling sick when you were 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And then that began a very long, long battle with figuring out what, what was going on. So tell us, tell us your story. I want to hear about it. Okay. So I was a, a young mother. I had a, a daughter in second grade and a son in kinder of garden, or maybe it was pre-K at this time. The years have flown by, but mm-hmm. I was working for the school district in special education um, and working towards a bachelor's degree in dual education, so bilingual education. My daughter Mm -hmm. went to the same school that I worked at, which was convenient. Mm -hmm. But I had been experiencing like being really tired. When it was time for my breaks at school, I would usually have to go take a nap because I was just that fatigued and tired. I was young, so I just assumed it was because I was, you know, burning my candle at both ends, taking care of kids, working full time, and then I was doing the after-school program. So I just thought, you know, maybe I need to take some time off. Well, um, an opportunity presented itself for me to be closer to the house and work Mm -hmm. for a school that was closer to my home. So I was going out there to interview with the principal this particular morning. I had dropped my daughter off at the school that I worked at and she attended. And um, I did a couple of my what they call inclusion classes. And then I was leaving early to go have this job interview. Well, I'm on my way back to the school to have the job interview and my arm just starts 
having uncontrollable movement, I, I had to start driving with my left hand because mm-hmm. it would just jerk intermediately. I don't, I didn't know what it was. I was thinking, I said, it must be my nurse because I really want to get at the school by my house because it was going to give us back some more time and the family. Uh, So I was like, you must be nervous. You must be nervous. Well, just so happened, this didn't have anything to do with the jerking, but just so happened as I was crossing the light, a service truck sideswiped me and hit me, and I ended up being in a wreck. And by that time, half of my body was jerking, and they thought it was from the wreck. And I said, I don't think this is from the wreck. I said, I already started jerking. So I called my primary care doctor, and I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I just got in a wreck, but before the wreck, and explained the jerking. And she said, come come in right now. She said, I'm going to clear my calendar. I want you to come in right now. Mm -hmm. And I did. And by the time I got on her table, I was in full convulsions. My body was going into full convulsions. And she couldn't stop me. She had to bring in several of staff to stop me from falling off the table. Mm -hmm. So she said, you have to be admitted to the hospital right now. I yeah. think you have a brain tumor. Oh, so <laughs> that was scary. Yeah. Young kids. Um, at that point, I was a single parent and I just was freaking out. So, of course, I had to call my mom, had to call the school, had to call some friends that were close to me. And I stayed in the hospital for 10 days with the convulsions, a battery of tests neurologists getting put on drips and things like that. And they, the end result was, we don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe you have a viral infection. So so go home, lose some weight. Of course, we're going to put you on physical therapy because at this point I couldn't walk. When I left out the hospital, I could not walk. Mm -hmm. I had to leave out the hospital in a wheelchair. And even during my stay, Friends and family had to come stay with me overnight because when I got out the bed to go to the restroom, I would fall because I just couldn't, I couldn't take the next step. So when I went home, the issues progressed to sometimes I couldn't grab a cup like I knew I wanted to grab it. I knew I needed it, but I couldn't grab it. And so um, my mom was just getting more worried, and she was like, Let, let's find some, another set of doctors. Now, my mm-hmm. primary care doctor, she was wonderful. She fought for me through everything. Anytime I asked for a specialist to go see, she said, yeah, go see him. But she mm-hmm. was just internal medicine, so her care stopped, you know, yeah. at some point. But all the specialists I saw said the same thing you probably should lose some weight. And now by this time I had lost over 30, 40 pounds. Well, you need to lose more and that that should help. Uh, Physical therapy came in and it was like, you need physical therapy? Yes, but you're so young. Every time I went to visit a specialist, that's the first thing they said, but you're so young, you're so Mm -hmm. young. 
Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you could laugh about it, Bianca. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that that turned into a year-long battle. I kept going in and out of the hospital, kept not being able to walk. Sometimes I couldn't talk. Sometimes I knew what I was going to say but couldn't say it. Hmm. I ended up getting put on a heart and brain monitor for a weekend where they hooked electrodes up to my head. My mm-hmm. Nothing came back. Definitive. Now, hmm. I, I would get tests and I had uh, some white matter on my brain, but they said, oh, that's nothing. That's probably migraines. Uh, do you have headaches? Yes. Well, that well, that's what that is. I did have some instances where my sugar would spike. And so instead of saying, let's get down to what's causing that, then I was put on a metformin. I was put on Seroquel and turned into a complete zombie. I could no longer work. I tried to go back to work twice and I just couldn't. I couldn't function with the children or let a lot. I was getting nervous about driving. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom had to drive me around. Our friends had to drive me around for about eight months. Physical therapy did help, but I knew it wasn't the root of the problem. Right. And so I just started doing research on my own. Mm-hmm. I started doing research on my own. And when I would go visit a specialist, I would say, will you check for this? Because mm-hmm. I've been doing research. And then in the process of that, my mom and I, we started researching herbs and things like that. My family has always been a family that liked natural supplements and things like this. But Mm -hmm. during this time, I just think we kicked it up because I had, from all the medications they prescribed me, I was 26 years old taking 10 medications. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes didn't even know who I was. I was literally sleeping all day. So my kids didn't really get to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. And I I hate to say it, my my son was then four going into five. Those those times were a blur with him, unlike mm-hmm. it was with my older daughter, because I was just so sick. Mm-hmm. This lasted a year. Did you find out what it was? It sounds like neurological. It's it's a combination of neurological um, unspecified issues, but really what it ended up being is connective tissue disorder. Mm -hmm. And I do have a sarcoid disease. Okay. Okay. And, and how did you eventually get that diagnosis? Was it, was it a rheumatologist or? I, I went to two rheumatologists who said, I mean, you might, your your mom has arthritis, so yeah, you might have arthritis. I said, well, it's a little bit more than that, I feel. It's a little more than arthritis. And so I just found another rheumatologist, and I just went into his doctor's office, and I told them, no one is listening to me. Mm -hmm. I said, something is wrong with me. And he he did a physical a physical examination and then he ran some tests 
And he came back and he said, I think we have the answer to what's wrong with you. Now, he said, I do feel like you still have some neurological issues, but he said the main culprit we feel is sarcoid, is sarcoid disease. Because, of course, people were saying, well, you have fibromyalgia. At one point, I was diagnosed with Sjogren's, and I do have some mimickings of Sjogren's, but I don't feel that I have Sjogren's. Because after I got my mobility and uh, speech back, I will start having these, what they call flares. And I mean, you're in, you were in functional medicine, so it would be where I would be hurting so bad, or I would feel like my skin was burning, and I just had to lay. I The only thing that would help with a flare was me resting through it. That's all I could do was rest through it, uh, give fluids and and eat a certain type of diet during that time. And then the those will last for about a week. Sometimes they will last two weeks. I tell my clients at times that sometimes I still lose my words. I know what I want to say, but it, it doesn't come out the way I need it to come out. So I'm thankful that I have clients that are patient because any other person that that wasn't patient, they'd be like, okay, you, what's wrong with you? But I kind of explain that up front when I onboard a client because I don't want them to feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. But sometimes it still takes me a minute mm-hmm. to connect from my brain what my mouth is going to say. Yeah. So how long ago was this? I finally got an official diagnosis of the sarcoid five years ago. Okay. So when you say sarcoid, so I'm familiar with a condition called sarcoidosis. Is that the <laughs> same thing? Or Okay. Wow. Okay. So is that autoimmune? It is an autoimmune. Okay. So I worked with one person many years ago who had sarcoidosis, pretty advanced. She was older. I don't know when she was diagnosed. So interesting. So now, so so it's been more than five years total or like you, you were diagnosed five years ago? With the sarcoid, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, and now you're pretty much, did you do something to make it more manageable and livable? Like, you know, obviously you said you weren't able to walk or you were scared to drive back then. How How is your functioning now? Is it, I mean, you said sometimes the words don't come like you want them to, but are there other things going on or you pretty much feel like you're recovered? Um, I don't think I'll ever be fully recovered, but there are some things that I have to do in my day-to-day life to feel the best that I can feel. For example, mm-hmm. I still will have flares from time to time, but they're more farther between from one mm-hmm. to the next. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that has been great. Like I said, I am on a herbal regimen that I stick to. Uh, for the most part, some things I just can no longer eat anymore. For example, I have to limit very much so processed food and, and sugars don't like me <laughs> as much. Mm-hmm. I also have to be mindful about being out in the sun or even just having extreme amounts of heat because it Mm -hmm. will put me in a flare. Mm -hmm. 
and we're in Texas, so <laughs> <laughs> right. that's not always easy. Oh my gosh! So during the summer months, a lot of the things that we do is indoors, or we get in the car to go somewhere that's indoors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can always kind of feel when it's coming on because I may feel a little foggy. I'll have a persistent headache that doesn't go away. And then, like I said, sometimes across the top and back of my shoulders, there's a a burning sensation. Not like burning, like it feels like your skin is on fire, but it's not hot to the touch or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's internal because it's the nerves. It's the brain telling me that my skin is feel like it's, it's burning. So, wow. If I manage those things on a day-to-day basis, I can be pretty functional. Now, sometimes, you know, stress levels will put me in a flare. Mm-hmm. Like if I catch a cold or something, that that's not good for the autoimmunity. Right. Um, the funny thing is that along the way, I've learned that my, my biological sister also has autoimmune disease. So we mm-hmm. have decided that it it obviously runs in the family, but we don't know where it started and how far back. Uh, Because she also has autoimmune disease. Mm. Yeah, autoimmune is definitely, there's a genetic component to it, for sure. And the thing that a lot of people don't know is autoimmune, like someone could have MS or lupus or Sjogren's or, you know, there's all different types. There's rheumatoid arthritis, like multiple different types of autoimmune, but they're all manifesting from a dysfunction of the immune system. So one could argue that all autoimmune is really the same disease. I'm kind of putting that in air quotes. It's your immune system attacking your own tissue. So mm-hmm. how it manifests, you know, can be, it can manifest in so many different ways. I, I personally had an autoimmune as well, Hashimoto's, which is a very, very, very common autoimmune condition, probably the most common. I, I don't know if that's true, but I would guess it's, it's, if not the most, one of the most, you know, I was able to overcome it with uh, basically lifestyle. And, and it sounds like you, most of the stuff that you've done has actually been diet and you, like you said, the supplements and, you know, managing it with your lifestyle and all of that, which is which is very interesting. You know, doctors really haven't come to figure out how to cure autoimmune. As a matter of fact, when I had, when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, I asked the doctor, well, how do you cure this? And he said, well, it's incurable. Mm -hmm. And I actually did. I don't have any autoimmune antibodies for my thyroid anymore. Like I had over 2000, the number in the labs, and it's like zero now. I proved him wrong. And, you know, there are different types of autoimmune and some are obviously much more serious in their manifestation than others. Sarcoidosis is very serious, especially from what you just described. It's remarkable that you went through that, that you were so young and it just came, I said, you said you had some fatigue, but it sounds like it really just hit you one day. It's wow. That's an incredible story, Bianca. And and I want to say I'm I'm so glad that you've come to a place where at least you know how to manage it and it's not, you know, you can still it sounds like you have you work. What do you do now? You're not you don't work in the school anymore? No. I had to give up 
the school. I miss it so much, but I mm-hmm. found something else that's the next best thing to it. So mm-hmm. when I did get sick, I still had to try to find a way to make some money. Right. And I just kind of started doing some admin work for local entrepreneurs and things like that. And that just kind of turned into me helping of service-based entrepreneurs set up their business systems and automate their systems and to make sure their business processes are automated. So Mm -hmm. that's what I do now as my career. And I'm an administrative support firm that that's what we do for our clients. That's great. I'll tell you, as an entrepreneur, uh, the <laughs> the technology systems and all of that is the the least fun part of my day. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. And you can work from home. Then I'm assuming you you work remotely. That's yes, I work remotely. That's a, a blessing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh, Bianca, this is amazing. What would you say has been, if you could share with us, what has been one one or two like big lessons that you've learned from this? Uh, one of my biggest lessons is listen to your body. Yeah. Because I knew when I was getting tired at the drop of a hat that that was the start of something. But I didn't listen to it. I just kept trying to go and say, okay, I'll I'll rest a little more. I'll go to sleep a little earlier. I'll take uh, some time off, you know. And then my next next biggest lesson is that you have to advocate for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. I don't care what this person is telling you with their medical degree, and I do not disrespect the medical industry at all. But the key word to what they're doing is that they practice medicine. Mm -hmm. So they're learning as well. And advocate Mm -hmm. for yourself. Advocate for your body, your well-being, and your family. Because if you're the source of taking care of your family or providing for your family, if you're not well, they won't be well. So those are my big two takeaways from dealing with this at such a young age. Yeah. Wow. Those are so, so profound. I mean, really, really important. Pay attention to your body and advocate for yourself. This is something that comes up repeatedly uh, when I speak to, whether it's speaking to clients or or doing the podcast, uh, especially the advocacy in the medical system. It's come up many times. It looks to me like uh, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. And that's really, really hard when you're sick, right? Like that's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and I've when I worked in functional medicine, I a lot of our patients before they came to us had done so much research on their own as well, mm-hmm. and bringing bringing things to the neurologist or the rheumatologist or whoever, saying, "Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this?" You know, if the doctor just accepts it, like it sounds like your primary care was she was amazing and yeah, she, was she amazing. just listened to you and respected you, and that's what they all should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very, very important lessons. Thank you for sharing those. You're welcome. I really appreciate your being on the show today. Your story is, although it was very, very challenging, I think it's very inspiring as well for people to hear. It feels like a happy ending. I know you're still, (laughs) you know, you still have stuff that you deal with, but just the fact that you figured it out and you know how to manage it is like, I'm so glad to hear that. 
And um, I, I also think as as time goes on, you're probably going to learn more and more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and things can get better just because you're getting older doesn't mean things have to go downhill. They can actually get better. You know, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that mindset I'm working on. To yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I spoke to another woman on the podcast that I'll refer you. You can listen to her episode. So the episode is episode 30 and her name is Heather Zocali. And Bianca, I think you might like listening to her because she also had very challenging stuff in her life. But part of it was she had an illness, a similar, you know, undiagnosed for a long time and just trying to figure it out. And it is very inspiring. And and I, I appreciate you and Heather for sharing so that we can, you know, we get inspired by your hardships, which is not good. But, you know, I think the more you share it, the better maybe. And maybe there is someone out there who's going to be, who is going to go through a similar experience who might hear this. And Yeah, I believe that. I mean, you don't know when you share your story who else is dealing with that or even has a family member who's going through something like that. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Jill. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Bianca. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, I just was so inspired and moved by her story. Thanks so much for listening. And and Bianca is, if you want to connect with her, if you have you know, know someone who's in a similar situation, just want to reach out. She is on LinkedIn, so you can find her there. We'll put her link in the show notes. And actually, just so you know, Bianca helps small businesses and medium-sized businesses that are service-based to scale their businesses through automation and organization, the tech stuff that's not as much fun for most of us. Well, Bianca's really good at that. So you can check her out for that as well if you would like. And thank you so much for listening. I do want to invite you to our upcoming challenge, which is starting on December 12th. And it's called the Love Challenge. And I'm super excited about it because what we're going to do is walk you through, I'm going to give you six steps over the course of this challenge. You're going to have time to learn each step and then practice it. And then you'll learn the next step and practice it. So you're going to have plenty of time to really incorporate and start to practice start to practice these uh, steps because we all know that self-love and acceptance and compassion and forgiveness to ourselves is so important. But how do we practice that? Do we just hear ideas and think they're great and then go on with our day? Yeah, most of the time that's what we do. So I really wanted to create a program. It's a free challenge for you uh, where you can actually, with a group of people, go in and uh, learn these steps and practice them and then come out at the end of the challenge with having these skills that you can incorporate into your life so that you can live in a much more conscious, healthy, and and really kind and, and compassionate way towards yourself, which I think is so important in the health journey. It's absolutely essential. So that's, that's what holistic health is, right? It's not just about eating well and exercising. It's about giving yourself the love and the care that you deserve. So I hope you will join me and the link for that will also be in the show notes.